0: Colossians one twelve through twenty. I did read this one. All right, um, this is the word of God. Giving thanks <coughs> to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption.
1: We are in part three of our series. Uh, actually, John was wrong. This is our, not our second week as Revive. Um, it's actually our third week as Revive Presbyterian Church, and um, we're in—you know—we're in, you know, we're in a, a series. So, if you're new to our church, uh, this is a good time to find out what is this. So, they're becoming a new church, huh? And what are they about? That's what this series is about. And if you are an old timer in our church. I hope this isn't um, old things for you, but it may be old and it's familiar, but it'll always be fresh and wonderful. Um, Part one, we talked essentially about the centrality of the gospel and that we're always going to be about proclaiming Jesus and what he has done for us. And last week, we talked about how you don't only get saved on the front end by grace, but that we grow by grace. All of the ministry is done by grace. And those first two messages... Um, I hope that if you come to our church, you just see that, feel that everywhere all the time. Um, and gospel and grace, that's a, you know, you should go like, wasn't that super basic? It is absolutely super basic. But here's one of the things I just want to say before I go into today's message is that one of the great things about our God is he takes the thing that you need when you are a total, total baby Christian, or when you're, when you're an unbeliever, that's how you become a Christian. And then gospel and grace is what you need when you're a baby Christian. But this is the incredible thing. Only God can be so ingenious to take what you need when you are a baby Christian. It's exactly the same thing when you need when you're an advanced Christian. (laughs) You know that? If this is what you need when you are an advanced Christian, is the same thing as what you needed when you were a baby Christian. How can the the mature, advanced, long-time Christian ever have pride over the baby Christian you can't
0: right
1: we all nobody has boasting and it's one of the beautiful incredible ingenious things that God does only God can do right and so that's the first two messages today we're going to talk about um, you know what I'm really doing throughout this series is we're, we're going to share this with you once we kind of got the language all tightened up what I'm really doing is we're going to give you a vision statement and then we're going to share with you all our ministry values. And all I'm really doing is preaching through each of those ministry values. And when you go through the series, I hope you're like, whoa, this is really what we're really about. And then hoping, hope i giving you a picture about how in our church, these are our convictions and how we're going to live them out here in this uh, very lost city. Um, the value that I'm, I'm going to talk about today is really the kingship of Jesus. That Jesus reigns over us through word and his spirit. And that isn't just some kind of blah, blah, religious language, some kind of abstraction that's up there. All churches are supposed to believe in this. And I'm I'm not really a person that likes to go around constantly criticizing other churches. But I have to say to you, churches talk this talk. Jesus reigns over us. A lot of churches do not walk that walk. (laughs) That's just... I'm just, it's really sad for me to say that, but I think that's true. And, but in this church, we believe in that talk. Jesus is our king. He reigns over us through word and spirit. And there are, and we will believe in walking, we will walk that. And um, and so that is an absolutely important conviction that we have in our church. Um, and that it isn't just, we're saved by grace. Some churches say, oh, we're saved by grace. That's so great. Now we're going to go live the life we want to live And it's just another way of saying, I'm really my own king. That's the real common practice of America today. Really shallow churches that give you a cheap grace will preach to you the gospel. But it's not the whole gospel. Because if Jesus is offered to you as savior but not king, then you don't have the full gospel. And so what they do is like, you're saved by grace. Oh, that's awesome because I sin a lot and it's great that I'm forgiven by grace and God is like always going to give me a free pass. (laughs) That's the attitude of so many churches and that's a really popular message. But then nobody else tells you that Jesus tells you what to do. Hmm. That we are beholden to obey him and submit to him and that we as a church, we will follow, we will repent. We will obey and submit and follow. That is, that is not a popular message today. That's a really unpopular message today. It's incredibly unpopular. And that if the guy up front who preaches is grown up saying, well, Jesus wants this, Jesus, and so now you have to become this way, and then this is how you have to follow, we're like, wait a second, I didn't sign up for this. I want the life I want. No. If you get the life you want, you're in trouble. All right? And we're not loving you. We have to love you with truth, truth in love. And the truth in love, and a big, big piece of that is we need a king. We really, really desperately need a king. And so let's get into that today in a message I've been told, The Preeminence of the King. And um, in three parts. Part one, you, your kingdom, and church. All right? You, your kingdom, and church. Part two... Accountable with God's purpose. Uh, there's a lot of uh, per, you know we, we not only need to have purpose in life. It's really one of the big, big problems in, in our society now as we're becoming more of a, a, a post-Christian and a pagan culture, is that people we don't, have, we don't even know what purpose is, what is the right purpose for my life and for us as a people. And even more importantly well I'll just say more importantly, just as importantly, we have to be accountable. <laughs> To live inside that purpose, that's a really big, big part of church. And it's a really incredible thing if you do biblical Christianity. And I'll get to that, right? But that's part two, accountable with God's purpose. And then I'm going to close my message by talking about hungry for purpose and glory. Something we're going to get through God and through church. Hungry for purpose and glory. That's where we all are, even if you don't know it, okay? Um, part one, you, your kingdom, and church. Before we can get into this passage, if this is a big, bold, and incredible passage that has absolutely humongous claims about what God has done through Jesus. But, I mean, if you kind of just go into this, it's so easy to go into this and go it's religiony blah blah. He's he is, uh, he is uh, he, in in all things. He, he, all things hold together, and he is the first one from the dead, and therefore all things will be pre- him, in him will be preeminent. Like it's big fancy language, seemingly. But before we even touch that, you, you know why that's super important and supremely relevant. I mean, so I want to just first talk about the problem. Your problem, my problem, our problem. Okay, this is generally the way when I observe, you know, our city and Americans and churches. The general attitude, not just of non-Christians but of Christians, <laughs> these are the people who say they believe in Jesus and the Bible. The general attitude and behavior of Christians goes something like this. And and um, so, is first of all, I like, you know, I think there must be a God, <laughs> and. I think, you know, I grew up in the church or something like this, and the Bible, you know, there's got to be, there actually has to be some word, and the Bible seems to be the right one. And it's great that God loves me, and then, you know, he sent his son, and then he paid for all my sins and salvation by grace. That's great. And then, when I go through life, I need some help. (laughs) What I really need every now and then is like, you know, I get to a bad place in my career, my, my job is not working out or I get laid off and I need, I need help, um, like divine help. I need a really great connection. You know, you guys are all like, like looking for connections and that connection will get your next job. What I need is like a supernatural connection, the guy who opens the right doors for me. And so if I go to church, maybe God will help be that connecting connector for me. And then when I also go through life, I need some other things, like I'm lonely. I need some friends. And so I'll go to church, and that's cool because God will offer me some friends through church. Great, okay, that's, that's good too. And then occasionally um, I need some real advice. Some like bad stuff happens, or I do stupid stuff, <laughs> okay? And I need somebody who will not um, judge me for it, <laughs> who will actually have some wisdom And some right advice and hopefully at church, the pastor or an elder or just somebody who's a little wiser than me and has something from God can help me out. So like that's another good thing about church. So we already have like we've and then and then there's a fourth really useful thing from church. So number one, um, you know, you you just need God and salvation. That's good. Right. Two, you need somebody to help you out when your life is kind of in, in, in in a tricky place. And hopefully the biggest guy there is, right? Um, three, you need some friends. Um, a fourth one is, uh, you know, most of you, most of you, there are people who are gifted to don't, not need this, but the, the vast majority of you, you need a wife or a husband, <laughs> and you're like, I want somebody who's not gonna, you know, be a drunk, or who's gonna, um, who's gonna cheat on me, or who's gonna beat me. Or you know is nice and have the same values, and I want that person to be their mother, my children, the father, my children, etc. And church is a good place to find that person. And so, that's those are all really good reasons for church, right? Um, the majority of people go to church for one of those four reasons. <laughs> those are the reasons why they go to church. So, and. All those are good things. Those are all good, good things. None of those are bad. It's not like you're going to church to go like uh, you know score a drug deal or something like this, right? It's like you know, it's not like you go to church so that you can just go find some people to get smashed and drunk with, right? I mean, you know, like there are places, there are other places and ways you can get those things. But so th- these are all good reasons to go to church, and so mostly. These feel like relevant things for church, but mo- what we're really doing is you yourself have a picture, an idea of what your purpose in life is and how you're going to have the good life. And mostly, and church is like a useful piece of that thing. Church is useful to you and to me, And so you're going to go to that church and this is this is what I'm going to get out of it. This is how we talk. What do you get out of it? So you know and, and and for some people it's like you know you're like okay I got friends I don't, I don't I don't need friends from church but but I need something from God great I need some forgiveness at least All right and you're like okay I I want uh I got friends uh, but like I got no wife <laughs> And so you go to church looking for the wife <laughs> literally okay like if if you're new here today I mean I'm not trying to call you out or anything like this but like whenever someone walks in the church I start thinking like are they here for a wife <laughs> are they here for are they well, like okay they probably showed up because they really screwed up you know like their life was going along puttering along okay bup, 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 and then they did something really bad <laughs> they did something really bad and for the first time in their life they realized i am a really horrible person and they can feel that they need god so they show up so they don't actually want a king, <laughs> what they want is forgiveness, okay, they don't actually want God, what they want is a wife, and you're like, eh, okay, now, that nobody actually says that, of course, okay, <laughs> do you say that, <laughs> if this is, okay, so, if you're like, man, this is a little too honest, if you're in this room, and you're like, this is a little too honest, um, and don't worry, I'm not gonna make you raise your hand and call you out and say, I'm actually here for a wife or I'm actually here for friend. Well, whatever, okay, right? I'm I'm here for some good advice, some good tips on how to be a better husband or something like this. Or like, I suck at being a husband, apparently. I got married, so I got the wife, but I don't like her. Or like, she doesn't like me. I like her, but she doesn't like me. And so like, apparently, hopefully at church, some some there'll be some good advice for that. And we've got that, okay? We've got that, the Bible's got that. All these things are provided by the church. Do you know that? (laughs) They are provided by church. And so, um, some of you, you who have like, uh, you know, like unbelieving friends, and they're like, why do you go to church? You can say, well, these are some of the benefits. (laughs) And you can literally list them. They're like, hey, those are actually some pretty good benefits. But if that's why you go to church, it's just not good enough. If this is why we go to church, do you know that if that's your purpose in church and that's why you go to church, I mean, of course, you don't actually, because like we all lie to ourselves. <laughs> you go like, well, I go to for church to for, for God. But actually, if you observe your own behavior, so that, that's how I do it, by the way. I, I can't read your mind. All I do is observe your behavior, and then I listen to what you say and what you care about. I observe what you care about and then listen to what you say because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Then I kind of know what's on your heart and what your your motivations and agendas are. At least I can kind of piece together between your your words and your attitudes and and then your behaviors. And then that's kind of how I pick up like how people operate. That's how, by the way, that's how you can figure out how people operate. Watch what they do and watch what their heart attitudes and priorities are. And then, by the way, you should do that for yourself. If you do that for yourself, you'll begin to realize you're probably a really terrible hypocrite who lies to yourself. I mean, like, like a person who lies to himself is really stupid. By the way. So you tell yourself, "Oh, I'm this kind of a person, and this is what I'm all about." It's crap. <laughs> you, when you actually observe what you really consistently do, it's 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 like that's nonsense. <laughs> so we're not just liars to other people. First, you lie to yourself, and then one a, a big big place we do this is in church. So really, what with the way we tend to operate in church is, church is a useful thing for me. We use church. We use church, we use other people, and we use God. So the way we actually think about church and approach church is sin. That's like 99% of American Christians. It's bad. And you want to know why non-Christians in America don't want to be Christians or think the church is bad because they actually meet Christians, and you're like, like I get all those other things. I can look for those things apart from church. Why do I need God? All right, you know. Every now and then they, they do something really bad, and then they want forgiveness. At least they want that. I hope they want that. But a lot of times I don't even want that. Okay, so we're using all kinds of hooks to try to do that. And then I, I don't mean to be really, really like mean about this, but this is true, right? Let me tell you this thing I just told you. Pastors don't know to actually preach the gospel and get to conviction of sin. They don't even wanna talk about sin because people don't wanna hear about sin, so if they talk about sin, they're unpopular and people don't wanna to come to church. But they're so like desperate that people come to church, so then what they do is they use all these other secondary Relevant hooks to get people to come to church, so church is not actually church (laughs) You get what I'm saying? Church is a meat market Church is a social club It's a friend place Church is a place for advice Good advice, but hello, you can go to Oprah for advice (laughs) You can go to Dr. Phil. I've watched Dr. Phil, you know, he gives good advice (laughs) He really does—not 100 percent of the time, but generally he does. So you don't need church for good advice. Go to you know any bookstore, self-help section is vast. Some of those books are quite good, okay? And um, so you don't need church for advice. So all the secular folks, the unbelieving folks are like, "Why do you need church for that?" That's absolutely right. <laughs> so you know, Dr. Phil—he's good advice guy. <laughs> Right? And then there are other books like Advice on Career. He's not so good on that one, so go to somebody else for that. Great. Right? So if that's, so then churches go, okay, we'll just fill in the advice market. It's not church. And when I look at churches, they're all doing this. And I walk into a church, it's not about God, Christ, sin, grace, redemption, repentance, sanctification, glory, beauty, transformation, those are the things God cares about. It's all these other weird things, all these other things you can get from someone else, actually. You can go meet a girl at the bar. You can go to meet a girl through eHarmony. Okay, I I wouldn't recommend the bar. It's probably not the best place, but eHarmony, I don't know. I I, if I was single, I'd try it. <laughs> okay? So, like, so, don't be embarrassed. It's okay. Try it. But, you know, there you go. There's a little, a little bit of advice from Pastor you could have gotten from somebody else, right? But that's how we look at church. You know what we need a church? We need God. And then we need God to direct our life. We need a king whose purpose and glory is glorious. Wow. So let's read the passage. Now let's read the passage. And in that mindset, this is what the passage offers. Listen to what the passage offers. It's awesome, right? It's awesome what the passage offers. So let's go to verse 12, right? i am just try to work through this. All right, here we go. It's it's, it's a little bit of an odd. I'm breaking into the middle of a long sentence because Paul has a ways of doing this. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. By the way, that's what what church is. (laughs) The the saints, that's not super holy people. If you believe in Jesus, you're a saint. You're like, I'm a terrible saint. Fine, you're still a saint. (laughs) You don't become a saint through your works, you came a saint through grace. So we share in the inheritance in light, because the Father gave that to us. So we gather together, we're going to get an inheritance, an absolutely glorious inheritance, and we're going to share in that, in light, not in darkness, like outside the church. It's one of the first things that we, we do at church. Hmm? Um, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light? He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Let's stop. Who is a son? He's a kingdom. Of, there's a kingdom. You know what that means? There's a son of God. That's one title. Divine son of God. There's another title. King. Okay. We, we're all, we all believe in democracy here. So we're like, okay, that, so we, the ideology, the ideology of democracy is, I am free. I do not have a king. It's really sad, but like, that's just, um, that's nice in our politics. We don't want any man to be the king because they all screw it up. History has proven that. That's what's great about democracy. But then we turn democracy into our religion, (laughs) which is to say, I don't actually need like a deep king for the real heart of my life. That's false. So, this is a really strange thing. Let me ask you an important question here. Do you need a kingdom? Do you need a king? The question is yes. You know why? Because a kingdom is the meaningfulness of how I play out and what I serve in life. A kingdom is something glorious, it's a realm, and you are part of it and you serve it. Do you need a king? Yes, you do. Well, at least. You know what the king is? Who you obey to serve that glory inside that kingdom. So let me tell you something. Everybody has a kingdom and everybody has a king because that's not optional. You have to have some realm that you serve and it gives you meaning and purpose in life. So if it isn't Christ's kingdom, it'll be some kingdom. There will be a kingdom. So there is no such thing as no kingdom because what are you? Are you just... Are you just like a rat that has to like eat and defecate and copulate, then you die? (laughs) No, human beings need kingdoms and purpose and glory and meaning. It's as fundamental as oxygen. No kingdom, no purpose, no meaning, no glory, you die. All around our city, you know why people are doing drugs and then they're getting depressed and then they shoot themselves or they hang themselves or they poison themselves or whatever. They sometimes do slow suicide. They just sit there, just, just, just they, you know, poison themselves so they die slowly or they do fast suicide. It's because they don't have kingdom, meaning, purpose, glory. They're dying. Human beings need this as much as oxygen. So if you don't have a kingdom, you're just dying. So then, okay, somebody gets to tell you what is glorious. (laughs) So you have to submit to somebody as your king. In this city, it used to be like, you know, a lot of people wanted their king to be Steve Jobs. (laughs) Steve Jobs was a king. He would tell you, you know, the meaning of your life. And then some people would wake up and they would work 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Their marriages were break. They would actually sacrifice financially because they can get a better job that pays better somewhere else. But they would, the meaning of my life is I'm going to make insanely great things, and this is what my king told me. And he can abuse me because he's a king. So if you don't have a king, there must be a king. Most of you will not choose Steve Jobs to be your king. You know who your king will probably be? You. The king we generally choose is me and if your kingdom and your king your kingdom you go like I'm the king I get to choose what's glorious (laughs) you're a very bad king a very incompetent king a very wicked and unjust and blind king so you're like okay so it's really weird I'm the king and I serve myself I obey myself and then I go out into the world and then what happens when you as a subject Obey yourself, because yourself chose be a perfect mom. Have great, perfect kids. So the will of the king, which is actually a queen, fine. Same difference. It's okay, so we're not sexist here. Queen, ladies, you can be kings. right? In your life, you made yourself the queen. Right? And the glory is, let's have perfect kids. So now you, the follower of the king, the queen, is now gonna obey the king, and then now you're gonna go into the kingdom of the perfect (laughs) mominus. That's the kingdom of the perfect parenting. So you go into the perfect parenting, and then your kid hates you. (laughs) So you thought you were doing great. And then, now now 15 years old, and they hate you. (laughs) So now what happens? You're gonna go before your king, which is you, the king, the queen, which is you, and you know what that queen's gonna say? you suck. Cast you out into the darkness, out of the kingdom. You're out of the kingdom. Boom. Because you failed. You're a horrible, horrible mom. This is really like, am I talking about something relevant? I hope you think this is relevant. It's super relevant. (laughs) It is super relevant. You know why you need church? Not as something you can use because you already know what your king. You're like, I'm the king, and I have my kingdom. And church is going to be something I use, like to draw. Like church is like consultancy. I can take it or leave it. There's like useful things in there. Oh, well, I'll take this, but not that. As long as you're doing that, you're in charge. You're the king, right? I mean, your pastor sure isn't leading you. You're leading yourself. <laughs> God isn't leading you because you're cherry picking whatever you want out of the Bible. And then we tell ourselves we're Christians and you know, like we're supposed to be obeying Jesus, but that's not actually what's happening. And then and then we wonder why our lives are falling apart. So I'll let you in a little bit of a dirty secret. As a pastor, I know like people walk into church and do this. <laughs> I actually wait for your life to break apart. I wait for your life. Because if I tell you, hey, I, I look at you and I'm like, hey, that marriage is bad. I can see that that marriage is doing, <laughs> doing it God's way. <laughs> He's the king of his little kingdom and she's the queen of her little kingdom and they're fighting because kingdoms cannot, you, gotta, you can only have one king in your life. So if you're the king of your family, and she thinks she's the the king of the family, (laughs) there you go. And then the the kids start thinking they're the kings in their lives. And then of course they hate you because you can't have competing kings. And then I just see this, I'm looking and thinking like, this is what's going on, that's that's what's going on. If I actually come into your life and say, you should change this, you would go like, who the heck are you saying to me, Susan? (laughs) All of a sudden, I'm not like a pastor, I'm just a mean old Susan. The heck? (laughs) So that if I could do it by grace, I have to wait for it to break. Isn't that crazy? I'm being real. This is is the way we do church. I wait for you to break it. Then you have humility, because the sin underneath the sin is pride. The sin, there's like the sin of disobedience. And then there's the much more wicked, super invisible, horrific sin, which is pride. Which is the one that makes you want to be the king. And so, but like, nobody ever lets their pastor touch their pride. (laughs) Nobody ever lets anybody touch their pride. (laughs) Not Jesus, even. So, you know what Jesus does? He lets you be an idiot out of love. So then your pride is like in your face, and you realize, I'm terrible. Then, now you're ready to go. Somebody else needs to lead me. <laughs> Somebody else needs to be my king. Wow. Okay, you're like, Pastor, that was a little too raw. You know why I, was re- I can get so raw? I know this sin. <laughs> I know this sin so well. The only way God got to me is because I screwed it up so many times. I was telling this to the, you know, the brothers in my discipleship group. I screwed it up enough times till finally God made me realize my pride and that I'm going to be king is so bad that I have to run away from it like it's poison. It's not because I'm so much better than you. It's because I screwed it up so bad, I realized this is like the poisonous thing. I got to run away, run away, run away, run to Jesus, a real king, a real glorious king. So look, let's read the next portions. Oh my goodness, it's so great. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creatures. That's a confusing verse. Let me just quickly understand. Okay, some people go, oh, that means he's actually not God because he's born and some, some like, you know, like Jehovah's Witness like to use this first. That's wrong. Firstborn means like, he's, we're talking about the God-man. Before Jesus was born as a man, God looked at his son and said, I'm going to turn you into a man. And the son said, yes. So you'll be the first of creation. You are the creator, but I'm going to make you the first of creation. And then when we make human beings, we're going to give them the great priority to be like you. That's what the passage is about, okay? So listen listen to what it says. Listen to what it says here. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. On earth. Parenting, created by Jesus. Sex, created by Jesus. (laughs) Even money, okay? We invented money, but you think he knew that we needed this thing to be able to barter and then, like, it's, it's more efficient bartering. That's all money is, Okay? It's, a, it's just way better efficient parting. You don't think God knew that? He's Lord of all those things. He's a Lord of art. He's the Lord of politics. He's a Lord of, of uh, creativity. He's a Lord of school. All of these things. So, for by him all things are created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All kinds of leadership. He's above them all things are created through him and for him. You want your life, everything in your life, when it becomes beautiful and glorious is when it's from him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In him all things hold together. Let me, let, let's, 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 say it the, let's say it the opposite way. Let, this, is, this is a really good way of learning how to read the Bible. You read the Bible, you're like, okay, I think I vaguely know. You don't really understand what that means until you understand the opposite. Okay? You must understand what the complete opposite, because probably you believe the opposite. Let me give you a tip on how you read the Bible. You read that thing, you're like, blah, blah, blah. Okay, wait a second. I believe the opposite. Oh, my goodness. All things hold together in me. All things hold together in my friends. All things hold together if I have enough money. All things hold together if I'm good looking enough. All things hold together if my family's perfect. No. All things hold together in him. That's why we need a king. You know what church is for? constantly to say go to your king obey your king let's do it together because we got to do it together we got to do it together we're like crazy like delusional people that lie to ourselves so then you need to meet somebody else who go that's not true you're like hey what that isn't true that you can you know you got to meet a bunch of other people so they live in the truth and you want to live in the truth together with them because we're always liars lying to ourselves it's a big part of church all right let's go to part two accountable with God's purpose. So I'm gonna offer you two huge benefits of a church that has absolute conviction that Jesus is king. They're two unbelievable, there's a lot of, lot of benefits. But I wanna offer you two great benefits. The first one is you have the right purpose in life. You have the right purpose in life. So the, all kingdoms are built on some form of purpose. So, um, you know, this is the football season. Whenever I watch football, the purpose is win the championship. <laughs> Greater yards, more running back, you know, run more yards, you know, win the championship. That's the purpose. The glory is like the, the adulation and, you know, of the championship. And you know, like, all, like 31 teams are gonna fail and only one's gonna succeed. It's like, that's the purpose. But if that's the purpose of your whole life, it's a bad purpose. It's a really small purpose. You can pick even better one. I want to be a good father. You know, I'm going to be a good citizen. I'm going to do you know like have we're going to build insanely great things. You know, the Steve Jobs purpose. But those are all better purposes. But they're too small. They're all too small. You as a being are worth a lot more than those purposes. And so, you know, it's really great when you meet somebody who won a championship and they got the Super Bowl ring. Maybe they even won the MVP. I would love to meet Peyton Manning. He's one of my favorite, favorite football players. If I met him, I'd be like, yo, it's Peyton. And then if I met him, after a while, I'd find out he's just a dude. And if he made that the deep meaning of his life, I would say you're a really sad and pathetic dude because you're a lot more than that. I don't actually know if Peyton Manning made getting a championship the only purpose of his life. I hope not. I've heard he's a Christian, and so I hope he actually understands this. Your purpose has to be big. There's no other bigger thing than God and His beauty and His purpose. You're made for Him, and when He has a glory, and He says, Follow me, obey this you will live and die for him. Let me say something to you. If you don't have anything you, 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 your life is worth dying for, you don't have much to live for. Would you die for football? Would you die for your iPhone or to make the next iPhone? Would you die for God? Huh. Now you got Purpose. If you would die for God, would you not wake up and live for him? Now you have purpose. Worthy, big purpose. That's one great thing. So in a church, if the, if the purpose isn't big enough that you must obey, then it's not your purpose. You're like, that's not my purpose. So then go look around in your life to figure out what your purpose is. If you have no purpose, you're just totally lost. You're just living an aimless, lost I don't know what my purpose is. So then you putter around and you get drunk here. You make a little money there. You have a little fun here. You eat some food here. Next thing you know, you're getting overweight. You're sleeping around too much because you don't actually have enough. I mean, like people, if you have like a purpose to get married, that will at least give you discipline and these other things. That's better than having no purpose. The people with no purpose, they're the most terribly lost people. The people with small purpose, at least they're living something in their life. But even they're lost too. So, one of the great, great things having a king whose kingdom is worthy of your life, first you get the right purpose. You get a worthy purpose. Okay? Second one: if you go into church, you get accountable purpose. It's great. I already told you that first you need other people to be around you so that you're like living in the right kingdom and listening to the right king and not like just like following after your life. But you know what? People like who we lie. <laughs> so I just already told you the terrible thing about how churches says we live for Jesus. But really what they're doing is then, then, then you listen to the sermons and they peddle to you self-help. So the, the pastor's supposed to be the guy that's supposed to help you follow. You're supposed to submit to the pastor, by the way. Okay, that's I know, some weird thing that your is telling you. You're supposed to submit to me. <laughs> Willingly. Because, but I'm not the king. Any pastor who doesn't understand that's an idiot. He's wicked. The real, the king of the church is not the pastor. The king of the church is Jesus. I hope you, it's like, I never forget that. If I ever forget that, you should be like, yo, pastor, you stop being so wicked. You're supposed to be our pastor. It's like, I can't follow somebody who's forgotten that deep, deep fundamental thing. So all pastors and elders are lieutenants under a king. They do his will, not their will. You know how, and this is, okay, this is the great part of accountability you can always know it's God's will because it's right here. (laughs) It's right here. (laughs) So if I tell you something, hey, this is God's will, people, and you're like, that's not what it says in the Bible. Now you know that your your, your pastor thinks he's a king. And you better rise up. (laughs) You better rise up and say, yo, this is a problem. It's a big, big problem. Our pastor's gone into like, you know, like... Foo-foo, stupid land, (laughs) right? He's leading us to the devil because he thinks he's in control. It's accountability is great. When your pastor and your elders are absolutely crystal clear that Jesus is king and they are lieutenants, then that is really great for you. It's accountable. It's great for all of us. So how does accountability work? One, it's in the Bible, You can always test the words and agendas of your pastor over against the Bible. (laughs) The other thing is, if you're not exactly sure, you can then test his spirit. I told you a while back, Christ reigns in word and spirit. You can test his spirit. How do you test his spirit? By the Bible. (laughs) Sometimes the pastor, like if a pastor starts getting, or your leaders start getting kind of secretive, they're like, we're going to do this. And then you're like, why are we going to do this? And then they don't give you a straight answer. The, uh, you know, I that would go. What's with that? <laughs> now, sometimes they can't give you a full answer because there's something really like sensitive or difficult going on. Okay, that's just that's sometimes that has to, you know, like so, or so it's complex. So, sometimes we can't give you a straight, clear answer because that answer would take like a 10-minute thing, and it's difficult and and sad to say. Not everybody will understand it. You, know, you, you, give them, you give people a nuanced three-part answer, and they only listen to one part of it, then they'd go around and only tell that one part of it, and then, then like you know, like, the church is going bad. So sometimes the pastor has to sort of like, like, uh, sorry, we can't give you the full answer. Not quite yet. That's honestly, that's a, that's, a, that's a very powerful leadership challenge. But if your leadership, your pastors and your elders, regularly will not be transparent and tell you what the agenda and why we do what we do, you should leave the church. Or get rid of them. Because he thinks he's in control. He's like pulling the strings back there somehow. I won't tell everything to everybody because I've got this other thing going on back here. I'm going to hide something else back here. And I could do that because, you know, I'm the real leader here. No, no, no. Anyone who understands he's a lieutenant will say, here's what the king said. Here's the king's will. This is, we're going to do X, Y, Z. Oh, this part, we, we, it's, it's going to take four steps to obey the king on this thing. Step number two is really hard, guys, and we're going to actually really ask you to sacrifice. <laughs> if the guy's too cowardly to ask you to sacrifice, then he's not a very good lieutenant, is he? Or if he won't do it because the king says, go do this thing. it will take four steps. You're like, uh, King Jesus, step number two is really, really hard. What if half the church doesn't like it and they leave and Jesus goes, Follow me. The pastor has to obey. Your leaders, your pastor, your elders must first be obedient. (laughs) Then they can lead. Men who are not obedient to a king think they're doing what they want to do. You gotta get rid of those guys. (laughs) Or leave. And then those churches will collapse. And they deserve to collapse. Because it's not a church anymore. They say they're a church. It looks like a church. There's a steeple. There's a cross. They talk Bible language. Blah blah blah. It's not a church. Okay. So I want to read this thing. Um, can we can we throw that up there? I want to read this up. I'm going to give you a quote. This is from the Presbyterian Church in America's Book of Church Order. OK, so this this we're Presbyterians, this is our denomination. You're like, so this is this is something that I have taken an oath to abide by. Huh. Right. This is this is a, this is right at the beginning of the book of church order. The book of church order is the is like the is is, is a is is the church laws of our denomination. Huh. And this is so great. So I just took a a quote from this thing, and I want to share it with you. Here's how it goes. Jesus, the mediator, the sole priest, prophet, king, savior, and head of the church, contains in himself by way of eminency all the offices in his church, and has many of their names attributed to him in in the scriptures. See, it's from the Bible. All things hold together in Christ. This is another way they're saying it. He is apostle, Teacher, pastor, minister, bishop, and the only lawgiver in Zion. It belongs to his majesty from his throne of glory. To his majesty. That's king language. From his throne of glory to rule and teach the church through his word and spirit. By the ministry of men. You know, that's like lieutenants. Thus immediately exercising his own authority and enforcing his own laws unto the edification and establishment of his kingdom. There we go. So Jesus a king, he immediately has authority. That means he's not, he doesn't directly tell you what to do. He by there's a mediating authority, that's the pastor's elders. Right? That's the denominational leadership. And then his kingdom goes forth, but it's a mediated authority because he's the king, not the pastor's elders. Christ, as king, has given to his church officers, oracles, and ordinances, and especially has he ordained therein his system of doctrine, government, discipline, and worship, all of which are either expressly set down in Scripture, or it goes on to say imp- implicitly set down in Scripture. All right? So let's stop there. That's in the piece here. Any of you, so let, let, me, let, me, let me give you guys a little tool here. If any of you guys ever think I've gone off off this thing, this is accountable. You could just, I'll give you the phone numbers and the email. You can go call another pastor in my presbytery and say, Song is bad. (laughs) Susang is bad. Our elders are like screwing around and they're abusing authority and Jesus, they're like disobeying the king and doing things that are unscriptural. Can you come in here and figure out, or maybe kick them out, please. They are bound by oath to check it out. So, is there some check on me in power? Of course. Is it based on, it's not even just based on my honor. It's based on church law. Other pastors by honor and oath are bound to make sure this church, Christ reigns. You guys like that? I hope you do. It's awesome. This is why I will not go to a non-denominational church. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, there's a lot of good non-denominational churches, but they don't have this. They don't have accountable. They may believe in Christ as king, and they may actually be, and those are good churches. Okay? There's probably plenty of Presbyterian churches that say this thing and then they don't do it. But this is really one of the really, really good things about being in a denominational church that has this conviction. All right, let's close. Too long as usual. <laughs> All right. You have to have a kingdom. You have to have a king because you're desperate for glory, meaning, and purpose. You are desperate. You, you, know, when, you know why people get depressed? They get depressed for one of two reasons. So you... I'm going to be my own king or queen. And then I'm going to live inside the kingdom of my own purpose. And I'm going to chase after the glory of whatever this kingdom is going to be, give me meaning in my life. Athleticism, career prospect, finding the perfect love of your life. Fine. All right. This is why we really need a really worthy king. There are two tragedies in life. Some of you have been with me a long time and heard this. There are two tragedies in life. Not getting what you want. You know what the other one is? Oh, this is terrible. Getting what you want. (laughs) So some of you go into your kingdom. You chase, and you don't get what you want, and your life is all, like, super disappointed. And so you get depressed. Because your life is now, doesn't have meaning, and you failed terrible depression, right? That's the one first way to break your life. That one is obvious. Okay? The second one is not so obvious. The second way to break your life is to get what you want. So then you get the the love of your life. Okay, let me just make it even. You get the great college. You're good looking. You go to the gym and you're like hot. You get the hot wife. And they're not mean. They're awesome. <laughs> and you, because they're good looking and you're good looking, because good looking people tend to marry good looking people. And, and then they're, oh, they're actually humble and godly. And then they have like like per, you know perfect kids. <laughs> and they have awesome career. So you're good looking. You got great college. Hot wife. She's nice. She's not the B word, right? You got perfect looking kids. They go to great college. Nobody has cancer. Nobody of them hates you. You have great career. You have massive money. You've retired at the age of 38. <laughs> You're in good health. I'm going to Hawaii tomorrow. Let's go to Hawaii tomorrow. <laughs> right? Let's just have like sex on the beach in Tah- Tahiti week after that. Great, we can do all that. You get what you want. And you're like, okay, is this it? Is this it? Now you get depressed. I don't believe that, Pastor. It's real. It's very, very real. It's really real. All these things are too small. The gods are too small. The kings are too small. The kingdoms are too pathetic. Because inside of you is vast, eternal and infinite you are infinite you aren't i know i know you just look like just a person (laughs) but inside of you is a soul made in the image of god and god is infinite he made you to be he made you for infinite infinite beauty infinite glory so you can get maxed out worldly glory and your kingdom will just break you you're like, I thought I had everything. Is this all there is? You'll be depressed. And you'll find out that I basically made myself my own king and I need to repent. I've actually met people like this. <laughs> Maybe not, they didn't get absolutely every single one of their things, but somewhere in the middle of their life, they got like the big thing that they wanted. And then it's, they get really interesting. They, were, they, they became a Christian when they were 14 years old. And then they chase after their kingdom. And then at the age of 35, it's just like, I got all my stuff. Then they have a kind of like midlife crisis. And then they find out, oh, my king is more glorious. And then they do weird things. Then they go Sacrifice their lives to go do something super hard <laughs> and, and like love really poor and broken, hurting people, and then they suffer. And then you ask them, You had everything, why are you suffering now? And it's like, Oh, because I have my king. <laughs> That's Jesus. On the other side of glory, He's offering you glory, 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 worthy of infinite beings. It's all by grace. And you can't get there unless you submit and obey and get off the throne. Get off your throne. Let him be the king. He's the only one worthy. His kingdom is the only one worthy of your big, vast, infinite heart. Let's pray. We're supposed to be in your image, we're, we're supposed to be like God. We are God-like. And we choose to be rat-like. We want to be really powerful, comfortable animals. And then, you know, be the, 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 the chief rat in my little, my little, like, fiefdom. That's how we live, Lord. And then we will use you. We use your church. Forgive us. Lord, forgive us. Oh, please forgive us. You are forgiving us, and you have mercy on us. You allow us to use this gross, selfish pathway, and then you hook us by, by grace. You're so patient and so merciful. And help our church to be filled with great humility and patience and mercy and watch you do your thing letting people's lives break down. They think, God, does, God must hate me. Actually, God's loving you. He's loving you. He's waiting for your life to break down under your own kingship. So then finally, we can come to sense and reality and finally bow down to you, Jesus. Help us to bow down to you. Maybe some of us will bow down to you tomorrow and then by Thursday, we're trying to like make you our servant again. <laughs> Forgive us and hit us with your glory and soften our hearts and break down all our prideful wickedness so that we will be soft before you and be under the great blessedness of your reign. Make this church a church filled with the glorious kingship of Jesus where he makes all things come together. And when people see those people have something more, they have something more We begin to see it, we give you all the honor and all the praise, and we'll love you more, receive your love all the more. In Jesus' name.